0: Any girl whose mom is an Olympian might seem a prime candidate to follow in her footsteps. But that's a loaded notion when you really break it down. While we know the specific genetic traits of a sport often end up in champions' offspring, it is just as common that they don't. There's also a necessary and deep common love of the activity in question. Then there's the personal will, the determination, and ultimately, the environment. As luck would have it, no American mother and daughter have ever been cross-country skiing Olympians until this year, 2022. Cross-country skiing is not a major sport here, so the likelihood of that occurring seems lower compared to, say, Scandinavia, where Finland and Norway have oodles of cultural cool in their skiing. Plus, they were the first and second Western nations to grant women the right to vote, perhaps opening opportunities earlier in those countries for girls and women to have a cultural leg up on the world, especially in cross-country ski racing. Cross country skiing has also been the third longest running sport for women at the Winter Olympic Games. So relatively speaking, it's a sport with one of the longest running chances to have this happen. But the United States didn't field a women's team until 1972, 20 years after women debuted at the Olympics in cross country. So it stands to reason that it would happen just as American skiing started to appear at the top of the sport, and Jesse Diggins just did that. When she grew the u.s olympic medal hall at the olympics by 100 percent in beijing this year and rosie brennan unceremoniously threw down the second best top to bottom performance of a u.s women at olympics in history naturally a somewhat esoteric statistic like the first mother-daughter olympic duo in u.s cross country skiing history might occur at that same moment though i don't know many caught that i did and i thought it was very interesting and that's Laura and Novi McCabe's story. This episode of Threshold is brought to you by Fisher. Lighter, better, faster. The new Speedmax Helium ski from Fisher is the ultimate in racing ski technology. The Speedmax Helium Skate Plus features a bi-directional air core and a redesigned World Cup tip, helping this revolutionary ski weigh in at less than 950 grams. Paired with the new Speedmax boot, Fisher Speedmax Helium skis help you stay stronger during your next long ski and can help you drop time during your next big ski race. Learn more about the new Speedmax Helium system at FisherSports.com Remember, skiing isn't a lifestyle, it's life. Becoming an Olympic athlete is tough. That's an understatement, especially in a sport like cross-country skiing. At 20 years old, Nova McCabe soundly qualified for what was by all standards the toughest U.S. Women's Olympic cross-country ski team to make in history. She did it off of real results on her first trip to the World Cup just earlier that season. She started the season with an inauspicious 64th place in the opening classic sprint in Ruka, Finland, in late November. By Davos in mid-December, she scored her first World Cup points in the 10-kilometer freestyle with the 28th. Then, on the final day of the Tour de Ski, as American ski fans' hearts sank with a sick Jesse Diggins struggling up the Alp Two stars in striped suits knocked heads with Finland's Krista Parmakoski and Kertur Niskanen, absolute stars of the sport. Sofia Laugli got to the line ahead of both the Finns to finish 5th, and Novi, as Niskanen, for 7th. While that was not an Olympic qualification race by definition, with high altitude and slow snow awaiting in Beijing, Novi was a lock, along with Laugli. She went on to finish 24th in her debut Olympic race, the 10-kilometer classic, earning her a spot on a relay team with real metal potential. That ultimately ended up sixth at the Olympics. But long before this rapid ascendance to the world's Olympic elite, Laura McCabe, Novi's mom, blazed a trail for her in numerous ways. A late convert to skiing after a collegiate running career, Laura qualified for both the 1994 and the 1998 US Olympic cross country ski teams. She was a well-known racer of great talent and accomplishment who along with her husband, Sean, had a passion for a life outdoors. They settled in the small town of Winthrop, Washington, in the Methow Valley, just south of the Canadian border, where the final piece of the Olympic mother-daughter recipe would bake over the next two decades. Threshold joins Laura McCabe from her home in Winthrop, and Novi McCabe from Salt Lake City, Utah, where she's at school at the University of Utah. Laura, Novi, welcome to Threshold. Thanks. Thank you. I like to get a general sense of background on my guests, and I don't want to spend a ton of time on it, but I like to just I don't like to just jump in on things I like to get to know a little bit about where where the two of you come from. So, Laura, let's start with you. I know you came into ski racing after college and you made two Olympic teams and we'll get into that later. But let's start with how did you grow up and how, if at all, was your childhood and adolescence a stepping stone, either directly or indirectly, to becoming eventually a world class athlete?
1: Um, so I grew up, I was born in Bozeman, Montana, and my dad was a forestry scientist. He studied uh, grasslands in Montana and Aspen in Utah. And we were, he was transferred to Utah when I was, to Logan, when I was like in the sixth grade. So then I grew up in Cache Valley. I went to junior high and high school in Cache Valley where he, he was a research scientist. And, you know, my back, my family, back and do skied a ton, downhill ski, we ran we did a lot of things together. Um, I would consider us, we were like, you know, an outdoor family who did a lot of things together. And, um, then I went to university of Utah and I ran for them actually. And then I started and but at that time too, I was backcountry skiing and, you know, still skiing a lot, just not, um, track skiing. And then, um, went on from there. And after running, I, I still really wanted to compete because I, I love competition and I, I just loved the aspect of it, and but running, I was getting hurt all the time. So I was um, influenced by, you know, quite a few people. John Alberg, big influencer. Uh, my good friends that were on the ski team and the U.S. Ski Team, and um, I was, yeah, and that's what took me down that path. But you know, honestly, I had been well trained. You know, if you're running for a university, especially Utah or any of those Western schools. Uh, it's not, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's full on, you know, you're running twice a day. And so it's not like I came into it and wasn't trained, but I did have to learn a lot of technique. So that's sort of what propelled me to, to what I, what I ended up doing.
0: So you started primarily in endurance sport as a runner and you ran in college.
1: Yes. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I always, you know, but I, for me too, it wasn't like, Oh, I'm just a runner. My body type isn't such that you know um it took to running that well i was you know i'm just not this really slight little person oh, right so you know and a lot of runners have no upper body muscle mass and i like to climb and i was doing a, a bunch of different sports but i i was actually decent at running too so okay. yeah
0: cool. yeah well, that's, that's really cool because I, i'm actually doing the opposite i've been a ski coach my whole life and i'm coaching running now and so, so it's it's kind of interesting background. We may get into that later, but but that's that's a great that's great insight. So Nave Novi, I'm gonna to switch to you. Um if you look at if you look at your childhood, we we kind of have to acknowledge that you live in really kind of a an Id, idyllic place to be a, a young skier and young outdoors person in Winthrop in the Metal Valley. Um and it's a home to a high percentage of pretty high-level former ski racers, which per capita may be the best area recently to produce cross-country ski races in the United States. So, so the meta, we can say right now, is an obvious factor in shaping your childhood. But how did your mom, being who she is, an Olympic skier and youth coach in this kind of setting, shape your interests and goals a- as a young adult?
2: Yeah, I would say <clears throat> I probably like got to hear about more first-hand Olympic experience than most kids just because my mom is an Olympian. But yeah, she was like my coach growing up a lot of the time and kind of like helped us put together these like training groups or just like my like core group of friends, like pretty much all of them were into skiing and doing fun things outside. So we all spent a lot of time together and like with my mom. And yeah, I think I had just a lot of exposure to like skiing and outdoor activity and because of my mom. And so that kind of led me to just really like kind of deciding that I liked this word a lot myself and wanting to pursue it.
0: So was it, were there any, was there at any time in your childhood kind of like, feeling you know, like you wanted to rebel against what your mom did or any, And did, did that ever pop into your head or, or into your desire at all?
2: No, not really actually. Like I just, I kind of always liked it. And I think if I didn't, it probably would have, yeah, it would have felt like that. Like I needed to rebel just because it's such a, like a big part of our family, but I know that she yeah. would have been supportive either way. So like, yeah, I didn't really ever feel the need to, rebelling that way i guess
0: <laughs> I, mean, I think that just kind of implies a lot about like your relationship to each other just without saying without talking too much directly about it i mean i look at my kids and my kids like they fight me on skiing all the time but my wife was a hockey player high level hockey player so my my daughter's playing hockey but i have to kind of pull them outside to ski and i i know laura I, i've read some stuff that you've you've written in other areas that you 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 were pretty it seemed like you were pretty um you weren't you weren't pushing your kids to ski, but you were very deliberate in in doing stuff with them young to make Novi and her sister uh, love the outdoors. Is that right?
1: Yeah. You know, I I feel like I had a really strong core group of friends, women, and all of our kids were involved. Like Novi said, we had this great pack of kids and it was a small pack. Like I remember even when they were going to the little Montessori school, I was running this two day a week, um, just like get out and go ski or bike or run, depending on the season, uh, with the moms that were interested. And so then we just sort of formed this little pack and they just stuck together. And I think, you know, that propelled them just to enjoy whatever they ended up doing in the future. And some definitely kept skiing, Walker Hall, I mean, he's my dear Leslie's friend's son, who's my neighbor, you know, and we did this together. Um, and so I think that was a huge factor because it wasn't like, Oh, let's go ski train or, Oh, let's go train. It was like, let's go have fun together outside. Right. So, and that was huge. I, I, do, that was a really big deal cause they had friends and then we'd go spend the night in the mountains together, backpacking, you know, just doing all this stuff.
0: Yeah. So Novi, did it ever feel like training to you or, or was it always just kind of fun and being active?
2: Yeah, I would say it didn't feel like training until, like, the right time. Like, like nice. I remember by the time that it kind of was considered training, I was, like, so excited to, like, get my first training log and, like, do what the older kids were doing. So I think, yeah, just, like, kind of not defining it as training at first kind of led for me led to me being, like, really excited to start that part of it.
0: What age were you when you started keeping a log and, and, and actually kind of starting to think about training more?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. I think I was – probably, like, 13, maybe, or 14, maybe 14. I can tell
1: you exactly, Chad. I can tell you what happened. So, you know, okay, first of all, you know, it's not all fun and games all the time, right? You have to bribe your kids, too, right, right? when they're young, (laughs) and they don't want to put their socks on without wrinkles to get out and... Or they're, you know, you have to pull the shirt down over the glove and put the glove on so they're not screaming when they go out the door. <laughs> you have to bring candy, you know. I mean, it's not like every day, you know, let's, oh, let's go play. It's like we're going outside because that's what we're doing, right? And whatever we do, we'll do. But let's get our butts outside. So I guess I want to preface it with that. It wasn't all like, oh. Oh. This is so easy all the time because it wasn't. And some of my friends, you know, as, as far as moms, I remember one of her sons was like, he would give her the hardest time. But once, she got, once we got him rolling, they were fine, right? So, But I do remember, Novi, and you don't probably remember this, but I do remember the day Novi came up and said to me, and it was in seventh grade, and she's like, okay, like, what do I need to do, mom, to um, reach these goals in my life? And I want to know now what I need to do. So you need to figure it out. So I remember that day so well. And that's when Leslie and I sat down and we're like, okay, well, let's map it out. Let's really, you know, start to get serious with these guys if they want it. And it was, that was the starting point of, okay, let's be more serious.
0: Well, I think that's, that's kind of the one of the things that I, I, I wanted in this podcast because you, you both live and you both grew up or at least nobody grew up in a, in an environment where you had former Olympians like yourselves and Leslie, Leslie Thompson now now hall was uh olympian with you as well um i i was i was 13 when i started my own training log and i had no no nobody in my i grew up in the iron range they had just started started building giants ridge the ski area there and uh you know but i, I never had any influence nobody told me to start a log or nobody even, i didn't even know how to start one i just started writing what i wanted to do and those kinds of things and i think that happens around age 13 or 14 for driven kids but what i was what i'm interested in is like how that might have that might have been different if i had grown up in the mathau valley like you did and and uh so d- did you find other kids novi that kind of felt the same way when you were 13 or 14 you started to do that or was it still pretty much your own idea
2: yeah i would say definitely i mean just with my mom being a coach and everything i was oftentimes surrounded by all of the like older kids on our ski team and kind of could see what they were doing and how they were doing it and i think like walker and i especially Uh, had experiences like that because leslie was also a coach so i feel like we a lot of the time kind of like made those decisions together and then kind of like Mm -hmm. would talk to our friends about it and i feel like yeah it was kind of a group thing like it definitely wasn't just me being like i want to do this and i am the only one but yeah
1: yeah um so just like so you can get an idea of um you know just a picture so eric and sadie grew up right across the street from us right so and then leslie's one Yeah. So, and then Leslie's one door down. So it's like, you know, you could see, we always saw each other, you know? So Sadie and Eric to these guys, that was like, oh, there they go. You know, what are they doing? You know, they're people like, I mean, I assume like they're people, we're all just regular people, but it's like, you know, a common thread that we love and we're all outdoor families. Right. And so we see, okay. Oh, well, if they can do that, like, you know, Sadie probably saw me come back from Olympus. Well, if Laura can do that, I could do that. <laughs> you know what I
0: mean? Yeah, So, I mean, I, uh, Kelsey Dickinson was on my team for five years in St. Scholastica here. And, and so I have a little bit of a sense of what that what that dynamic was like in the Metal Valley. And I kind of want to just get a flavor of that for this podcast. I think it's a really big part of, of, of your story. I, I also don't suppose that we can talk about your lives without talking about Sean, your husband, and... Uh, Dad to Novi and Dasha, your younger sister um, you lost Sean at a pretty pivotal time for your daughters and for you having to, to have help raising them as a mother. how does his passing color your lives today and and what sorts of influences does his memory have on you all in the way that you live
1: um, i th- you know so for me i I had a wonderful community surrounding me when Sean died and i'm all i'm a always thankful for that. Like Leslie, um, incredible friends, uh, basically a community to help me raise my daughters. And that was huge. Um, and, you know, I always knew too that, you know, he wanted his girls to be playing outside, right? And doing what they love. And, um, and I know, you know, it's like we would always go on these climbing trips every summer and would be outside pretty much the whole summer. I'm um, camping, climbing, hiking. So, you know, one of the, one of the driving forces, honestly, behind me, uh, getting out every summer and going on all these trips was partly him because I knew that he wanted his girls to experience um, as much as they could outside and just like adventure, right? Like whatever it was and, um, and just be healthy outdoor people. Uh, so that was a, a big driving force for me. Like every summer I'd just take off for a couple months and would just go, you know, and, and would hook up with friends and family and backpack and climb and hike. Um, and my job as co as far as coaching, I was able to do that. You know, Leslie and I shared a lot of that load and then, you know, we did a ton with the halls too. So, um, that was a driving force for sure. Uh, and you know, as far as me raising my girls on my own, it was uh yeah, it's a, it was a really, really, really big job, but I would never, ever want it any differently as far as not having them. Like, you know, for me, it's this extension, right? Like I get them and it's my privilege to have them in my life and I get to raise them. So it's like, you know, it pushes you to like to... As we all, as parents, we want to do the best job we can. And we just hope every day that we're making the right choices, right? <laughs> I and mean, when you make a lot of wrong choices to come to the right choices, <laughs> it's just this huge learning process, but it's a motivator. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that would be the influence for, for me, you know, to get them out healthy and happy, you know, and good human beings.
0: No- Novi, I know you were young when you lost your dad, but what about, what about his passing and, have, and being raised by your mom? still sits with you as far as your dad's influence on your life and your direction.
2: Yeah, I mean, like you said, I was quite young, but I think he obviously along with my mom played a major part in like getting my sister and I outside and doing so many fun things when we were young. And I feel like I do have a good idea of kind of like the person he was from my memories with him, but also just what other people tell me. And so I like to try to do what I can to be like he was because he was a pretty great person in many ways, <laughs> and remember that too. So, yeah.
0: Well, that's great. So, Laura, we're both longtime coaches, and I, I know I've found some fundamental things about coaching young people that are incredibly valuable as a life's location certainly not measured in monetary terms, though. Uh, but how does being a longtime coach and competitor shape the way you and Nobi interact as a mom and daughter? And Nobi, on the flip side, we can follow that up with. Uh, I want you, I want you to say the same thing from the other side. Like, so how does that being a long-time coach kind of color your relationship earlier in your, in your, in your uh, life and today?
1: You know, coaching, I think uh, it's, it's hard to coach your own kids, but it's like also a really wonderful thing if, if it works out. And, you know, I think I've, I've learned so much. I, and I know you two Chad have probably learned so much from, coaching of what you should do and what you shouldn't do, or who you want to be and who you don't want to be, or the type of person you want to be and the type of person you don't want to be, um. and so it's been a balance for sure, like with my own girls, and you know, there are periods of where I felt like Novi and Walker coming home from, you know, camps that they go to US team camps or different camps, you know, they would bring things home, or tell Leslie and I well you should do it like this or you should, and it's like wow that's great learning and I think it's it's being open enough to learn from them so it's a, a back and forth learning process not you should do it this way you should do it this way right like so there's not just one road but it's a sharing of ideas and the best approach to take like I will always be thankful for what Novi and Walker brought to our team from from going outside of this valley. And I always ask them to come back and, and teach us what they knew, you know, because you always learn when you go to another place or to another coach or to another team. Um, so I think that was really beneficial. Um, but it's definitely always been a balance. And I think, you know, for me, uh, I've, I've always had to to try my best to always be open and take constructive criticism as much as I can, but not not have you know, and, and, uh, just learn. Right. So, but it's always a balance. It's always a balance with your own kids. And I think it's always super important too, to send them off doing their own thing with other coaches because they're going to learn a ton and you're not, you know, sure you can influence them and, and they can benefit from you, but they can benefit so much too from somebody else telling them that in a different way, or even more if you're the mom, right. Or the dad. So, so you're right. They're gonna listen. Well, I would tell Leslie. Leslie would be like, "Well, you tell her that." And, and you know, no, and what she should tell me, "Well, you tell Walker that." You know, <laughs> I'm like, "Right, they 'cause they'll they'll learn from. She'll learn from her, or Walker may learn from me, or whatever. You know. So, You're a good I'm talking copycat. about those two, just because. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm saying I'm talking about Walker and Novi, just because you know they grew up together and they were together so much. Um, so, you know, we just, you know, there's a lot of feedback from both of them, but they were also huge influences on us, huge, you know, in our learning process.
0: So Novi, what, what's, what, how do you, how do you feel about having your mom being your long time coach like that?
2: Yeah, I, I really definitely value the time I had with my mom as my coach a lot and think I always will. And like, I feel like it grew our relationship a lot and I feel like made me a way better athlete. But I also think that there's like value in having that separation between mom and coach. And I know that like in the past few years um, with like having different coaches and my mom is like still somewhat like I talked to her about my training and it's nice because she understands everything. But it's kind of nice that she can like go to a race or be at one of my races and just kind of be there as my mom because I really appreciate that a lot too. And it was I mean, I guess it was kind of like that when she was a coach too, because like I know that no matter what happens, like. She'll be proud of me, and um, but I don't know. I have kind of enjoyed that separation recently, just because I feel like it's easier for us to have that other side of our relationship. But yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. The first
1: time for me, just going back back to to watching, like the first time I really got to go and just watch and cheer everybody on was it in over be- over Wiesenthal. and I was like, wow, this is a whole different thing. Like I'm here cheering and just supporting, and it was so fun, and I. You know, like now I don't get enough of that. Like I don't get enough of just being able to see these guys race. Like I'm talking like all those college age kids. Um, so, yeah, for me, it's, it's really, really nice too.
0: Yeah, it's like taking a vacation after 10 years of college ski coaching. I'm coaching running now. And when I go, we had a super tour in Duluth. I got to go there and walk past the wax benches. I mean, that was like, that was really nice, you know, and I got to kind of watch the races. So I totally get it. That's yeah, great. Uh, But Novi, I met you when you were 16. I I remember you making an impression on me when we hosted the U16 camp here at St. Scholastica in Duluth. And you were very, you were a very mellow and calm person, but there's clearly kind of a monster underneath of desire, at least desire, because you have to have a lot of desire to race fast. Where do you find your competitive self under that calm, cool exterior? And is is it something you're... That is handed down to you you think from your mom or from anybody else in your life yeah
2: i mean i'd say i'm definitely more of like an introverted person in general but being competitive has never never like been something that i've found to be a challenge or that i've had to really motivate myself for so yeah maybe a lot of that's from my mom but also just growing up with like friends and siblings who are skiers too i think helps with that and yeah i'd say like i've had very good examples of healthy competition in my life so I, I think that competition is something that i find really really fun and exciting and just keeps me motivated for sure
0: and laura w- when did you notice that that novi might be a really good competitor like how young was she when you maybe saw that that determination that she she has today
1: um you know i mean i feel like she's had it her whole life and um i've always been really glad that novi and dash were four and a half years apart because i remember being very competitive with, with my brothers and sisters but we were only a year and a half apart and I don't know if it was very healthy, whereas with these two, they're in different age groups, really, you know, four and a half years apart. And I remember, you know, she just had that gift of wanting to succeed in that drive, you know, pretty much her whole life. And I remember this, Novi's going to probably be embarrassed, but I remember this one point when Dash was out, you know, doing some things, Novi was younger and Novi would get jealous that Dash got to do, like, go up this mountain when she didn't go to get to go up that mountain at the same age. You know, it was like that type of thing where, why does Dash get to do that? She shouldn't be able to do that until this age because I didn't do it at that age. You know? So it's just, but it's a very, they love each other in there. But I'm really glad they're far apart, right? Because um, it made life at home really nice, right? So yeah, her whole life, I would say. She's just been that way. It wasn't trained into her or anything. It was just there.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good that's a that's a good trait that that trait that she wants she doesn't want to get beat up the mountain at that age by her younger sister. <laughs> I mean, I I just remember myself. I I, I remember we did that 24 mile hike in Lake Louise on vacation, and I I look back and I was nine years old when I did it. I was like, really? Oh no, maybe I was ten, but I was like, I didn't feel ten at the time. You, you know, so I, I get that, Novi. I know what you mean. I yeah. know what you mean. They weren't gonna leave, They were gonna go on that twenty-four mile hike to the glacier without me at ten years old. Like, <laughs> I'm going with. You know, so I, yeah. I, I to- <laughs> totally get that. <laughs> you, um, you're the only mother-daughter Olympic cross-country skier duo in the United, in the history of the United States. Um, that has some implication on your on both your talents and your genetic similarities, but it also has some practical perspectives we might not, not otherwise consider. Um, Laura, you're a longtime coach in a mul- at multiple competitive levels in a place that has produced some of the, the really the most talented athletes in, uh, in the history of the sport. The Bjornsons for two, and now Novi's in, kind of in that, in that group as well. But it doesn't stop there. The, the Methow seems to have something great going on locally. But you're seeing, you, are, you, you particularly, you're seeing cradle-to-podium development on a local level, almost like nobody else anywhere in the United States ever has. Um, Maybe Putney, Vermont did did for a while uh, back in the day. Now, you're also the mother of a young successful Olympian as well. Um, So what are some of the things you see firsthand, both locally in the Metau and on the national level that have made a difference for Nobi that probably weren't there for you when you were younger?
1: Um, Okay, so I think when I think about that question, you know, I I think so much of it is uh, community and culture. Um, right now in the valley with what we've had. Um you know, I came in and I really wanted to coach kids when I moved here and uh Bjornsons were right across the street and I think, you know, for Sadie, Eric and the Gregs, you know, Brian Gregg, you know, Sam Naney, the kids we have here that really went on and did something in skiing, um, I think they saw like how much, you know, that I was really enjoying what I was doing because I, I was still racing at that time on the factory team, though I wasn't, I mean, I was in the 98 Olympics when those guys were around. So that's where Sadie, you know, um, her influence was, I think, thinking that, oh, I can, you know, I can make that journey too, if that's what I want to do with my life. Um, and then for my kids in this neighborhood, okay, well, Sadie and Erica are right across the street, Brian's three miles down, you know, it's like, oh, this is sort of, it's, it's not like out in the atmosphere, oh, I could grasp that maybe it's like, this is something that if I decide I want to do this, I could really do this. And then we have a really good ski program, which can take kids from, you know, toddler age all the way up through the ranks, through high school to skiing at the university level. And then if they want to go on, and that's something I think we are unique for in that we don't live in a city where there's so many choices, right? Like you come to the Metau and okay, there's snow in the winter and we ski and there's a ton of kids out here skiing, like all these cute little kids moving around on snow. And I know you guys have that in Minneapolis. It's pretty remarkable. You know, really amazing. Like even at Junior National seen that this year that, um, you know, the park, it's the theater is really, really wonderful. Uh, so I think the community, the culture, and then um, a community that really cares and wants to develop the sport and the club and the team, um, in a really inclusive way, um, and I think that's what we strive for. So we want everybody, when they leave this team, you know, some will go on, some will not, but whatever they want to do with what they've learned here, they take it into their life. And we learn so many lessons, wonderful lessons in skiing and growing through skiing. Right, like. Uh, just so many like goal setting and time management skills. Like it's such a healthy lifestyle. Like for me to have my kids involved in this sport, you know, that's like part of, part of their growing process. And, you know, for me to have that just in raising them was huge. And the community around us, just like our community within the United States, we are such a big family and Canada, right? Like we would go up to Canada we would raise as much in Canada as we would in the States because we're so close. So we're really connected to the BC coaches and the teams up there. Um. So I think that was really helpful. Um. Yeah. I think just, you know, having that culture, like, and I feel like we're, I want to, I would really want to see that continue. And I know that everybody here does. And so hopefully that will, I mean, I think being a kid these days is difficult, right? Like there's so many things coming in and going out and, you know i think it's much more difficult than we grew up i mean there weren't all these devices and phones that we are connected to all the time um you're right it's and i uh, um so i mean i i think that's that's a big reason and then also for you know for Sadie to see that Leslie and i are just normal people for for Dash and Novi and Walker and all these kids that are you know all these kids that may want to go on To see, oh, you know, Sadie and Eric and Brian and all those kids are just people that decide this is what they want to do with their life. But they do make that decision, right? Like they decide this is what I want and they see it happening, you know, and then they're role modeling. So then the role modeling of Sadie and Eric and Brian, all those guys, plus Jesse, like that role modeling is huge. And I think what I would really, what I really want to lead athletes to know these days is They may not think they're, you know, so cool, and I don't want them to think, oh, they're like, you know, they're that cool. They are cool, (laughs) but the, the way that they can role model is such a big deal, right? It is such a big deal, and I think sometimes we forget, they forget that, right? But some, I mean, but they're also really good at it. They are so good at it, and I am so thankful for that. Like it's, it's, it's a huge deal to have someone, even like Sadie come back and, and do a mindfulness session with our team or someone like, you know, jesse has been a really great role model, I think for all the women in the United States, plus my own daughter, you know, like all those women have. And so the role modeling is huge. And I think it's like our fam- big family connection of family. Like that's what we are, a big, huge ski family throughout the country in North America. And we all support each other, right? So
0: when the best skiers in the world want to go faster, they turn to Fischer's Speedmax Helium System. The all-new Fisher Speedmax boots feature an enhanced carbon cuff to provide optimal torsional stiffness and increased power transfer to the ski. The refined inner shoe provides compelling fit and performance. The boot's overall design will help you become a faster skier. Norwegians Teresa Johauk and Johannes Hosf Klabo both took the new Speedmax boot and the new Fisher Speedmax Helium skis to the top of the Olympic podiums this year. Just imagine how much faster this World Cup-ready combo will make you next season. Go to FisherSports.com to learn more about the Fisher Speedmax Helium system. One of the things that I wanted to, talk, uh, to point out is I think I feel like, um, so we didn't talk about the national, the national difference, and Laura, you were on the national team in the 90s, and and you're getting a sense of what the national team is like right now. But um, it almost feels like what Metau has done is created a mini Scandinavian country, a, 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 at least a small area, the way athletes are accessible in places like Norway and Sweden a, and to have heroes. Whereas uh, we we didn't have that when I was a kid. It, it, that didn't really exist, at least at the way we were having international success. Did, have you seen something change in your time since Novi was born and, and and has become a competitive athlete, that has really improved on the national level. That sticks out to you.
1: Oh yeah, big time. Um, and I can't thank those national team coaches enough. I I regard them and respect them so much, um, because I think their job is really really difficult, especially in the last couple of years with with what with COVID for sure. But I mean, I'm even talking on communication level. Um, what they have done, Matt Whitcomb, Chris Grover, all of them, Brian, oh my goodness. Like, I think the communication level between athlete and coach has been um, so different. Like, we never got the communication feedback that I know nobody gets. Um, and I know they've really worked on that. Um, I think they've developed just this uh, really close-knit team dynamic which takes a ton of work because not like, you know, Matt would say, not all personalities are going to get along, but you have to work at it. It's like a marriage, right? Like you love each other, but it's like, you still have to work at it. Right. And I, I think they have so worked on that piece. We never worked on that stuff. I mean, it's like, I mean, I had a great time on the national team, but you know, there were years that were like, really difficult and then years that were great and i i feel like they work it's such a so hard to, to create a positive team dynamic to have positive communication ensure that something's not everyone's going to be happy and hopefully they don't get nitpicked at too much because you know what it's so much work to do what they do and it's so much work to try to do it right every day right and so yeah it's so different it is an amazing it's 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 world of difference and look what's happening in the country, you know?
0: So Novi, I want to bring you in on this and kind of, kind of ask you, you've now you're already at 20 years old. You've been to the Olympics. You've been on a world cup circuit for a full year. You've raced world juniors. You've had success at all these levels. Um, and so what, when you look at your career and you've gone to these other countries and seen what their ski systems are like already at 20 years of age, what similarities and differences do you see in the Metau and, and other places that you've raced where we're skiing? Like, for example, in Norway or Finland or Sweden, what, what, are your, what are some of the things that you've noticed that maybe are similar in Metau but very different as well?
2: Yeah, I would just say that, like, I don't know, in Norway, some small communities in Norway and the Metau I think are similar just in that skiing is kind of what you do. And I honestly haven't spent that much time in Norway, but from what I've heard and what I've seen while I am there... Um, I think like in the Matsui when you're growing up like my mom was saying like you just that's what you do in the winter. Like the community is very centered around that activity in general. Um and it like brings a lot of tourists to the valley and everyone just kind of like gets into it at some level. So I think that's the main thing that's like so similar, but obviously like it's different cuz we're in the US and we have a whole different development system, which I think is getting so much better and has improved a lot in um yeah, I feel like lucky to have been a part of that system. And it's worked really well for me over the years, I think. And just like being a part of the US ski team for the past few years has been awesome and really helped with my development overall, just being able to like have access to training sessions with some of those older athletes that have always been great examples to me. So I think like, as far as development, we obviously do it differently than other countries, but I think everyone does it differently and we have to have a different system because the US is so big. (laughs) Um, so I think just at the like national development level, it's obviously very different, but at the small community level in the Metau, I think it's similar to some of those smaller, like Scandinavian countries.
0: And has the transition been pretty, you're still, you're still just 20 years old. And I say just because you are pretty young. It it has that transition from being a local skier to being an international level skier. Has it been pretty smooth for you?
2: Yeah. I mean, I'd say it's been like as smooth as it can be it's always difficult to make transitions like that and like skiing world cups this year was different than anything i've ever experienced in the past and was a big challenge but also like really motivating and kind of just showed me where i need to be so yeah it involved a lot of change but i think like change for the better and i'm excited to hopefully have more opportunities like that next year
0: okay so i'm gonna switch gears just a little bit Novi, you're sitting i believe if not on the campus of the University of Utah somewhere near the campus of the University of Utah and I see that you're wearing a Utah sweatshirt. <laughs> um, one, one issue that has always run as a theme in the U.S. Nordic skiing circles is the role of NCAA collegiate skiing. I'm your sophomore, correct? So it's your second year at, at yeah. Utah? Yeah. Um, so first, where does your education, I'll ask both of you, where does your education fall on a priority of your collective value system, and against the time frame of development into a world-class endurance athlete, like how do you, how did you and, and Laura, you can speak to this as well? How did the two of you talk about this issue of skiing in college or trying to develop or trying to marry the two pieces?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I kind of, I think there was a little bit of time where I was like, oh, maybe I want to like not go to college and ski NCAA because I feel like even in the past few years, there has been like so much change from this, like, I don't know, like everyone was kind of like NCAA is where you go for your ski career to die to like it's a place where you go to really develop your ski career and I think that's been happening for quite a while but like I've especially seen a lot of that in the past few years um and I think I like briefly considered not going to college but then kind of realized that school and having something else going in my on in my life is really important to me and I think that I can be the best skier that I can be like when I have a few other things going on and so school just kind of Made sense, and it was
0: something that I kind of always wanted to do Laura where did you fall on the on this on this discussion
1: um well i I really wanted novi to go to school i I feel like you know um there's a definitely you you want to get a you know if you have the opportunity to get definitely to get a good education because skiing will last and um so I was really happy when she made that choice and you know it's interesting because I remember before covid um this is just kudos to, to Miles and Frederick. Uh, we had a coaches meeting. We were talking about development in the West. It was in Park City when we used to meet together in the spring. <laughs> and um, there was a discussion came up and, you know, we were talking about Western schools and how they recruit so many Europeans, you know, which is good, but it's also was a negative impact on some of the Americans because they couldn't get into the schools. And I remember Miles getting up there and he was talking and I, I asked, asked him, it was, nobody was like a junior I said, well, you know, you guys don't even develop Americans. And Miles looked at me and he said, no, we're going to change that. And um, now I look at University of Utah and look at what they're doing, right? Like, sure, they have some of the better athletes in the country, but they have really worked on development. So I think it's been really so refreshing to see them working with the U.S. ski team and also making it possible for these athletes to follow their goals and dreams on the U.S. team with also making sure that they give back enough to Utah and and skiing NCAA, so I think that's like a new thing, right? And it's re- it's working and it's working and uh, they've done a great job, you know.
0: That's why I asked the question because I was a, I was an NCAA coach for for ten years and I didn't come from NCAA skiing. I didn't ski in NCAA's, but I, I spent a lot of time abroad and and following the sports systems in Germany, following the sports systems in in Sweden. I lived in Sweden for a while, um, and and. I, th- I always felt like uh, if you had a perspective of what it took for those athletes to get to the World Cup podium and you saw the restrictions that I had as an NCAA coach, and I was D3 as a D3 program, but I didn't see those two things connecting. But I see Novi now in a mm-hmm. situation where yeah. the U.S. ski team and Frederick Lonstead are actually talking again and they're giving enough the, the colleges are giving Novi an opportunity to go to the olympics and race the world cups and and frederick is working with matt and and vice versa and now you have sophia lovely ch- coming over to utah to train with you and, and one of the things the US ski team always talked about is that you, uh, one of the reasons they were concerned about is that you need a higher level of athlete to train with day in and day out so does sophia coming to the program is that is that a good dynamic is that is that kind of a game changer for both of you Novi? that to to, to kind of make the, the dream work, so to speak?
2: Yeah, I mean, the thing about like the Utah team is that I feel like that's that like higher level of training and competition has kind of always been there or at least throughout my time here. And Sophia coming has been like amazing and we've all really loved it, I think. And like, it's kind of always been there. Like I've never been, or I've never doubted the level of training with Utah. I've always been really confident that like I'm training with one of the best groups in the country um so that's i think awesome that that can happen within a college ski group or um yeah i don't know like i've never really questioned it i've never been like oh this this training is not great like i need to go train with some club team um so yeah that's been awesome to be able to have that confidence with my college team
0: laura what do you what do you think of the situation now i mean we, we talked about i mean it seems like things have changed at least a little bit at least for utah And the u.s ski team is that do do you get that sense as a mother of of novi
1: oh for sure you know and i i hands down am so thankful for that because it it you know she can get an education and she can ski on the us ski team and she can ski for utah and they are excellent coaches all the way around you know all the us team coaches and miles and frederick and those opportunities to work it out right like so you look at each individual and this is how i have always coached okay you look at the athlete and it's you try to look at them and see what they need to reach their goals and there's there's communication involved and there's switching around of training plans and making things move forward but it can happen if you're open and i i feel like they have done it right that's what, and so i'm very very happy that she's in that situation and it it's really helpful too because the us team is based out of park city so there's not as much travel back and forth you know, with camps and stuff, but that's just, you know, that's just location, right? I mean, I know that Patrick's doing a great job too at UVM and all the other schools that have athletes on the team. So I think that's a good role model though, as far as a, you know, we are doing something different now that wasn't talked about 10 years ago where it was like, you choose one path. And so I'm, you know, for, for people to be open-minded about that and give these athletes to something else to do, right? Like, so it's not just all about skiing, because that can get to be too much for a lot of people. For some people it works and it works really well. For other people, I don't think it works that well. So I've, it's, a, it's a win-win.
0: Yeah, I, and I think, that, I think that that's really insightful because um, I think that some people who are maybe more cerebrally leaning and, and need to be stimulated at least academically or at least with, with um, something other than just training is important to keep a person like that in the sport uh, you know i think th- i think of the old east german system and they called them sport depths which is like s- sport idiots because they were so one direction one 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 mindedly focused on sport and i had a friend who w- went to med school when she was 24 because she had to defer she was olympic biathlete and she didn't she didn't have the ability to do both because the german system didn't allow it and the university system in germany didn't allow it and it seems like the united states is finally Somewhat married that concept, and and I think a lot of it is just putting egos into the back seat and having the discussions on both sides of the on both sides of the of the table, and it seems to have happened. And and thank goodness for Novi. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. And I I agree with you. I I totally agree with you on on like just okay, set your ego aside. What what is the best thing we can do here for you know for all these athletes? So for sure, yeah, your own choice is really important in that. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I've seen that not just not just in this case, but in, in other cases where athletes were having trouble actually realizing that the thing that was holding them back was that they didn't have another aspect of their life that they were that they were actually fulfilling. And, and I think that that's a good sign that that nobody that nobody can do this and, and still stay on track to be a world class athlete. So a really simple question. Is there any aspect of each other's competitive skiing experience so far that that you're kind of jealous of?
2: Um, I guess I can go first. I don't think so. I don't know. I've always appreciated hearing about my mom's experience, and she has a lot of good insight all the time. I've never really felt super jealous about anything as of yet, even though it all sounded great.
0: <laughs> Laura, how about you? Oh,
2: gosh, I I haven't ever
1: really thought about that. I mean, I've just looked at her experience thinking, you oh, I'm so glad you have this. You know, it's like, Um, no, Uh, no, I actually haven't thought about that. (laughs) No, I think she has a great experience. I'm super psyched for, you know, honest, honestly, I guess the one big thing, like uh, her whole life, I'm like, okay, how are we going to do the school thing? How are we going to pay for school? You know, like that's where my mind's been. And so like, oh gosh, this is great. You know, like, okay, she's getting a good deal. Uh, That's, that would have been my thought pattern. Like, okay, how are we going to do this? Well, she's taking care of it. Thank you. Thanks, Novi.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I was thinking, you know, I, I maybe jealous is the wrong word, but I, I mean, I, I thought maybe Novi would have thought some there were some things that you did as an athlete that maybe she doesn't get to do because life is so structured now as a US Ski Team athlete, and and maybe it wasn't that structured when when you're when Laura was it was on the US Ski Team. So it was I just threw that out there. It was kind of a <laughs> wild card question. Yeah. Uh, so here's another one. Now that now that Novi is in school and on the road pretty much full-time as a ski racer how do the two of you stay close and stay connected
1: so you know i thought when my kids graduated well at least i only have one that's graduated i might see him a little more but uh so that's been a little hard honestly like this year was very difficult because um i wanted to go to little homer to watch the first world cup and got x'd out of that because of covid and then I wanted to see Novi at National. Well, actually she was going to come home for Christmas, but then that didn't happen because she stayed on <laughs> and did the tour. And then I thought, well, I'll get to see her at Nationals, which, cause she'll come home and ski Nationals, but she came home and she was just there for two days. So I got to see her a couple of days at Soldier Hollow. And then I was going to go and see her race and I would be coaching in Sun Valley, but then Dash got COVID. So um, the first time I really saw them was at Whistler you know, that whole crew where I, I was able, I was coaching kids there and I got to see everybody. So, um, for me, like it's, I'm very thankful that we get to talk on the phone and that there's FaceTime, right. That we have this, this, um, you know, we can talk to each other now or, and I can talk to her when she's in Europe. Um, cause I, I really, it's really nice to be able to stay connected that way. And it's, I like, I don't get to see her enough for sure, but that's, that's the way it is.
0: How about you, Novi?
2: Yeah, I'd say basically same answer. I mean, obviously I'd love to see my mom and sister more often, but um, I think we do a pretty good job of like staying in touch on the phone and stuff. And it's been great when I have been able to see her. And usually I feel like our schedules align a bit more just because she's coaching and I'm racing some domestic races. So hopefully that'll be the case next year.
0: Okay, so this is another, for a final question, I just have a very general one. Uh, and you you're at different stages of of being skiers or ski coaches or or just being involved in skiing but what are what what goals do each of you have yet in skiing
1: um okay let's see well i would definitely like to go experience more of the longer races in europe i think that would be fun and i'd like to support uh, in you know cheering and whatever other way i can on um, the World Cup, if Novi and whomever, all the rest of the team is, you know, when they're over there, I'd, I'd love to go watch some of those races and support um, that effort for them. Um, I love skiing, and I, I also like to try to, you know, influence the kids that I coach for the love of skiing, right? I just want them to, no matter where they take it, to always enjoy it and to learn from this process that go, they're going through right now in high school. Um, that they can carry on, you know, throughout their, the rest of their lives. And I, I mean, for me with coaching, it's like, I always want to have the joy in coaching and just be able to really take those relationships. And, um, you know, we all learn from each other and just to try to support them the best I can. So I, I guess, um, you know, personally, actively, yeah, Europe, would be fun to experience more over there. I feel like we've been shut out of Europe for a while. I'd really like to support my family, my daughters, all the rest of the kids—you know—in their in their other racing and stuff. So,
0: Novi, no, before I, I I pitch that back to you, I'm I'm not looking for like a, a specific result at an Olympic Games or anything like that. I'm I, I in fact I tell my athletes never share your your result goals with anybody who can't help you make them. And I certainly can't help you make your goals. So, but with that said, just kind of big picture, what are your goals as a skier skier uh, over the course of your lifetime?
2: Yeah, I mean as far as personal goals, I guess like in the next 4 years I'd like to just get some more experience on the World Cup and racing at that level and start to hopefully perform consistently and kind of just yeah, have some have some decent races and like decent results, I guess, and just like work my way up. Um and then I'd like to go to the Olympics again in 4 years and be in more of a position to like compete with the best. Um so I guess that's kind of a big goal of mine, and then I'd like to just contribute to the ski community in positive ways, I guess, and figure out how to do that better. <laughs> but yeah.
0: Well, have I have I have I missed anything that you feel is essential to an interview with Novi and Laura McCabe?
2: Um. You
1: know, I just I want to say one thing about our country and and our culture and what's happening now. You know, first off, I mean, I I think all the coaches in the country, junior, club, university, national team. You know, it's like we're all in this together. And, um, it's just like a really cool job and it's, it takes a lot of effort, but you know, I know some coaches in, you know, even in dealing with, with my kids or the kids that have gone on from here, it's like, maybe sometimes you don't feel enough appreciation, but it's like, hopefully all their athletes will really appreciate them because <laughs> it's a good job. Like, you know, Chad, it's a great job. Um, but, uh, it's like, yeah, it's pretty cool. And then Also, just all the ex-athletes that have given to the sport, like it's so neat to see Keegan where she is in Alaska and just the stuff that Sadie has done, you know, the ex-athletes that come in here and and just role model for these younger people is huge. And then, you know, I think too, like right now, collectively, like we have, um, we get to watch the World Cup. My kids grew up watching the World Cup every weekend. Like, what are you doing this weekend? Well, I well we get to see the World Cup this weekend. You know, I know halls are doing it there, and you know Bjornson's are down the road now watching, and you know Greg's are down. You know, like we all got to watch the World Cup, and then I think about what you guys are doing, like Chad with your podcast, and and um, I'm, I'm Ian, and then Devin Kershaw. Like, it's so fun, right? It's just fun. And I think all, all, like the give back, and it's like, we're creating this really big culture now in the US where we're all even more connected. And it's really fun too, just to see, all, like the interviews, hear all the past stories and what's going on now and then future, right? I don't know, it's pretty cool. <laughs> it's a good
0: sport. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, absolutely, I couldn't agree more. That's kind of why this podcast exists is because we, we want to tell these stories. And, um, you know, we, we're not, we're not, headline makers like we like the sport is like the athletes are in Norway or Sweden or or even Finland and 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 having lived in in Finland for a year or spent time in Sweden and and follow Norway. um, These these interactions that we have and and these little media outlets that we do that they're not massive, but I think they make a difference in the community so. From my from my perspective as the host of this podcast, I really appreciate the two of you taking the time, carving out the time in in what is a very busy schedule for both of you, um, for coming on uh, coming on uh, threshold. Because I, I think that this is this is one little piece. I'm trying to make this one little piece of that that richness of the of the uh, of the sport, and I and I think it uh, I think it matters. So so thank you. Yeah,
2: thank you.
1: Oh, it it totally matters. Yeah, thanks for doing it, Chad. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I always enjoy listening to
0: yours. I've marveled aloud on this podcast and plenty more outside of it, how Norwegian culture, practicalities, and ways of life help them build the Olympic medal machine we witness every winter Olympics. Legacy is critical in a culture of success and nothing creates a legacy like parents. So when a talented Olympian parent raises her child in an environment which fosters attitudes that tend to develop athletes for a sport, that's going to have good consequences. The Methow Valley has a high per capita hit rate of sending cross-country skiers to the Olympics for the United States in the past decade. In fact, it directly coincides with some former Olympians and elite ski racers moving there a decade earlier to start families. When we want to dissect Olympic success in skiing, we can discuss the national team structure, the attitude, and the ethos. But that's not where success starts for skiers. It's where it ends. We can talk about elite club and postgraduate elite team development versus NCAA skiing, and those are both critical in creating a layer cake of competition that forges a level of domestic racing to bring athletes to the highest level in the sport. When we all simply value what's best for an athlete above all other concerns, both clubs and colleges can create an environment that fosters an athlete's ultimate development. But it all starts locally like it has for Laura and Novi McCabe because if you want to highlight the difference between Norwegian skiing and American skiing the national team support is an important difference but it's a much smaller difference than that of widespread culture that kids face as they grow with sports in their lives and in their communities a place where the ethos among youth peers is that you're pissed your younger sister got to climb a mountain at a younger age than you did is a pretty good place to find future Olympic cross-country skiers because that's Norway And it's also Winthrop, Washington. It's where Laura helped coach the Gregg brothers and the Bjornsons, three of whom skied at the Olympics. It's where Novi McCabe grew up around her mom, who is an Olympian, and the neighbor girl who ended up the first woman to wear the FIS yellow bib as the World Cup overall leader. When you do a local race or a club time trial and your time is competitive with the yellow bib winner when she was your age, you get a very real sense of what you might be able to possibly do just like a good Norwegian kid would. Which makes me consider environment even more acutely as a factor in American success. Laura and Novi are at the center of that discussion. If your mom is an Olympian and you don't have a strong theater company in town, or a strong hockey program, or a strong music culture, you might stave off boredom and actually find joy by hiking in the mountains around your house. And you might find your friends in the neighborhood doing the same. Because in a lot of ways, That's Norway. And it's Winthrop. And for Novi McCabe, it started with her Olympian mom and their Olympian and outdoorsy neighbors when they needed a village. That's threshold for this episode. Thank you to Novi and Laura McCabe and to our partner Fisher Skis for making this episode possible. I'm Chad Salmula. Thanks for listening.